This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. If I don't love you, baby, ain't grocery, eggs ain't poultry, and Mona Lisa was a man. All right, that's about the way we feel about it. Good morning. It's Monday morning, and welcome to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. And Carol, what's going on? Malcolm, just a lot going on in my world this Monday morning. How about yours? All is well. All is well. It's a beautiful, uh, cool spring morning here. March is about done, and we head into April, and pretty soon I'll be planting the garden. Well, right after this show, I'm going to go plant my herbs. There you go. Yeah, I've gotten uh, basil, oregano, English thyme, flat Italian parsley, dill, and cilantro, which is hard to grow around these parts. Cilantro is? Yeah, well, it it burns up quickly, so you have to get out early, and that's what I'm doing. It's kind of like me. I like to get out early, and I burn up pretty quickly. (laughs) same here so how was your weekend it was good a good it was so beautiful um you know we had a little celebration down on commerce street had a good crowd uh had another second line uh i guess i've i've had about three second lines this year so uh that's been that's barely enough barely that's a a lot of second lining for mississippi but uh, all is well and uh you know we were able to uh uh, have a uh, show on uh, WJTV Channel 12 on Friday night. It was sort of a retrospective of the parade. You know, we marched around Renaissance on Colony Park last Saturday on the first day of spring. Uh, we had a second line on Commerce Street on this Saturday. And uh, so that's we're going to wrap up St. Patty's Day for this year and look forward to how St. Patty's parade again in 2022 we have well, been I'll, be, I'll be know, there for sure yeah we've just had a couple of years on the sidelines here and we're ready to go well I still have my green robe dry cleaned and ready in the closet to be a buckethead judge at the next parade and just one quick question about the WJTV special is there a way for those of us who were unable to catch it to see it is it will it be on youtube or on their website that's a great question i've been asked that many times uh i do not know the answer as of this moment uh, my understanding was that they were going to air it uh, multiple times uh, but i have uh reached out to them this morning to uh, try to figure out if uh, there is a way to podcast or to watch but it, when i get that information i'll share it uh, next monday uh, but it was it was really well done, and Jill and I and had a good time catching up, visiting about the history of the parade and all that sort of stuff. So I'll let you know when I find out. Okay. Well, um, have you made a farmer's market visit yet? You know, I went down to the old farmer's market um, by the uh, Memorial Stadium. I guess it was last week, midweek. Brenda's. Yeah, Brenda's. But it wasn't it wasn't functioning. They they had that whole area set up for COVID testing and I guess COVID shots. So she was not there. Uh, her sign is still up. There was a sign directing you back there, but 
Brenda wasn't there and neither was the produce. So that, I don't know if that's a temporary setback, something we need to look into this week and report out on next week. Yeah, I can't believe that Brenda would miss a season. So I'll be looking for, um, I've been going by Doris Berry's on Highway 80 and seeing yeah. Marcy. I think, yeah, I brought you and Java a couple of gifts from there, some little tiny baby popcorn and some of that interesting looking Romanesque, Romanescue that looks like, <laughs> some the people spaceship. say it looks, looks like the spaceship, other people like the coronavirus, <laughs> but it's very, very sculpted, very, um, very architectural, but she's had some beautiful Louisiana strawberries. Ah, and, uh, I got some uh, great sweet potatoes from her last week and cooked them one batch like uh, April McGregor, you and April talked about going from a cold oven and they were just super. And then I did your preparation a few days later of slicing them and sauteing them in a little butter and put some cinnamon on them. They were divine. Good, good. Well, I loved the Romanescu or however you pronounced it. Uh, it's a lot like uh, broccoli, uh, but I thought it had a sweeter flavor. And uh, I, I tell you what I love to do with broccoli, and I did it with the with this. I peel the stalk and saute it in with the uh, with the green tops. So uh, I really enjoyed that. All right, we've got we've actually got a call early today. Uh, we've got uh, our northern correspondent. Chico Harris on the phone. Chico, what's happening, my man? Hey, good morning, y'all. Really looking forward to your interview with Taylor Bowen Ricketts. One of one of my very favorite cooks, and I'm I'm sorry to report that my redheaded woman and I have not made the trip. It's a long trip to their to her restaurant, but that is high on our list, especially now that things will soon be back to normal, hopefully. Now, you, you knew her when she was based in Oxford, and she actually started, as you know, at the Hoka. Then exactly. she went to City Grocery, then City Grocery, and then the legendary uh, Yachtnet River Inn. I have enjoyed her cooking at all of those places, and it, she is, she's one of Mississippi's finest. That's all there is to it. Absolutely, and we are excited but, to highlight her. But when, when um, excuse me, when Ginger and I do make it down, to the restaurant we want darby to mrs mr taylor bowen ricketts we want darby to sit at our table <laughs> sure he'd be i don't think that's going to be any problem <laughs> listen i got a pocket he, he, he's a, a great addition here. to the whole operation and his artwork uh you know is featured in the restaurant as well Exactly. He he is a he's an absolute great addition, and he's a great carpenter too. I don't know if y'all knew that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I got a product recommendation for you. Okay. Um, whenever whenever Ginger and I are in a, a grocery, uh, Todd's Big Star and Larson's Big Star in Oxford, and Todd's Big Star in Tupelo, that's our number ones. But we occasionally have to go someplace like Kroger for olives and whatnot, and. And then, you know, and in, when we're in New Orleans or New York or someplace exotic like New Jersey, one of our things to do is always go to local grocery stores and look at 
local products. And, you know, like like in New Jersey, they got this thing called, uh, what is it? Uh, it's a local kind of meat. I, it's, it's skipping my mind now. But it's a big thing there in New Jersey, so, of course, we, we got some. And on the 18th of each month here in Mississippi, I give Ginger and our son, I give them both a goodies box of stuff that we've seen recently or I've seen in grocery stores, like stuff like um, soda pop from Japan or, you know, things like that that you can get in the international sections. And we always have a big time on the 18th of each month with that. So this month I saw Coca-Cola coffee. Mm. And, oh. Yeah, yeah, and then of course intrigued, and I normally wouldn't call in with something like that, but I'm doing it in honor of the Beatnarn family. And um, you you can get Coca-Cola caramel, coffee with caramel, or Coca-Cola coffee with vanilla, or you can get the dark blend, which I got for myself. Wow. And opened it up this morning. I had I knew there was some leftover of Ginger's chicken and pasta casserole that she makes. I thought, boy, it's perfect time, that Coca-Cola coffee with dark blend. I popped that sucker open this morning, and my report is it is good. All right. <laughs> it's not Well, fantastic. you heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fantastic, and it doesn't exactly taste like Coca-Cola. It tastes, you remember double cola? Yeah, yeah. It tastes sort of like a double cola that's been open for about an hour. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't sound that great to me, but it sure is intriguing. <laughs> we appreciate the, the update on new and unusual products found while shopping across America. Oh, good morning. Thanks for calling, Chico. All Man, right. thank you very much for listening and for calling in. Carol, you know, Easter's right around the corner. And you know what's back on the shelves? Heaps. Peeps. Now, tell our listeners who probably don't need to be told, what's peep? Peeps are a marshmallow-shaped chicken with the wings shaved off to make it more aerodynamic, coated mm. in sugar and packed in little boxes. Yellow peeps, of course, are traditional, and then along came blue peeps but today malcolm i am sad to report that peeps come in pink lavender green orange and there are even two new flavors peeps hot tamales fierce and cinnamon chicks that's wow. that's just wrong it's wrong why did you well, say I mean, you were sad that to report that carol <laughs> that sounds like good news I, you know, I'm a traditionalist, Java, and um, also they're going to be. There are Fruit Loop flavored peeps. Uh, it just, it's just wrong. But uh, Malcolm and Java, one thing the pandemic has done is uh, push the peeps people, the peeps peoples, into making individually wrapped COVID friendly peeps, and oh. you can find those at Walmart. So. There's a lot going on out there in Peep world. Well, I know Java's a big Peeps fan. I am. Peeps are a uh, a, a springtime Easter t- tradition, but I can. I'm. I'm I was joking, Carol, because they have kind of taken it a little too far from the <laughs> from the traditional um, uh, flavors. They, you know, they've gotten a little too even. Even for my taste, a little too exotic. 
Well, Java, let's let's talk here on a personal level. What's your favorite peep? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound really um uh different and just say the yellow one. <laughs> I don't even know what flavor that is because it's just it's marshmallow with with glitter. <laughs> yes, and I don't think flavor is really what they're going for unless you're talking about about the tamales, the tamale no, beer cinnamon the, peeps. The flavor is sweet sugar. That's the flavor. That's it. Yes, there you he, go. <laughs> here's a fun fact. How long do peeps last? Or how long did they stay fresh? That is a good question because we're probably eating uh, the peeps from last year that didn't make the yeah, shelf. <laughs> well, allegedly, allegedly they they are very edible and sweet for up to two years. So if and, you don't get around to them in your Easter basket, there's always 2023. Wow! Now that's the scary part. So Malcolm, what's on your table for Easter? Uh, you know, I we haven't talked about that. The thing that we've been focused on are the Easter baskets uh, for the grandkids, uh, particularly Kara. She is, uh, she's all, she's been on it for a week, uh, week and a half, uh, designing their Easter baskets and all of their Easter treats. So that's kind of what we're focused on. We'll eat something, uh, but like maybe ham uh, or, uh, you know, we may get a Virginia ham or we may do a turkey. I don't know. What about you? Well, when you're married to a woman from Virginia, I think it's yeah very important to have a Virginia ham. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever we cook, we'll have some Virginia ham in it. Well, you know, I'm all about the sides. I'm all about the salad. So I haven't even focused on the protein yet, but I am going to make a, a shaved asparagus salad. Mm, okay. You know, asparagus are great this time of year, and it was a salad I learned uh a couple of years ago in, in New York, in Italy, and you actually take the asparagus, it's best if you put it flat on the counter and then shave it mm -hmm. with a vegetable peeler. So I've got that going. I've got an orzo and spring pea salad going, and then a mango and avocado salad. So my that's, goodness. that's what I'm about. You know, my favorite Easter side slash salad is and always has been ambrosia oh yeah so do you make it yourself or or do you turn it over to Kara? well i've made it a few times i haven't even we haven't even thought about who's cooking what or anything like that i was just thinking about easter and i thought about ambrosia because it was always a favorite of mine and you know some people put marshmallows in their ambrosia mm, i don't know where i fall on that spectrum yeah well, I'm just making an observation. All right. What about this? Uh, how about our cooking and coping uh, this week? You been on there much? Yeah, I have. It's, uh, it's been very active. Uh, lots of people cooking for Easter. Uh, one, of the, one of the most entertaining posts, though, was one of our regular posters, Tim Pierce in Memphis, made Pillsbury orange you know, the orange rolls and the can that we call, you know, the womp cans. Yeah. He was, he was like walking by those in the grocery store and saw them on the shelves and immediately took him back to his childhood. So he posted a beautiful picture 
of Pillsbury orange biscuits and it evoked a strong response in a lot of a lot of us who remembered those from our growing up days. Yeah, so I remember coping those. Coping is not <laughs> just about fancy food. It's about the food we, you know, used to cope and enjoy. All right. Well, let's continue to cope and enjoy. And uh, we'll take a break right now. When we come back, let's talk more about Easter and uh, what's going to be on our Easter menus, as, as well as getting ready uh, to talk to our friend, Chef Taylor Bowen Ricketts. We'll take a break and we'll be right back with Deep South Dining. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Welcome back to Deep South Dining, Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. And we are the show all about what, Carol? We're all about culture of southern southern flavor. Flavor. And those who like to stir the pot. And we have one of the greatest pot stirrers on the planet today. And I want to read a quote. uh, Oh, goodness. From Leanne Galt uh, that was given... uh, to Sherry Lucas, and Sherry was here. Oh, and this is what she says about our guest, Chef Ricketts. She pulls flavors and inspiration from all over the world to come up with these just fabulous dishes that take you on a journey. There's Asian, Middle Eastern, but it's all kind of dragged through the swamp at the same time. You know, not in a bad way. In fact, she's a <laughs> She's a world-class chef, and everything she does is honest and true to who she is. Welcome, chef. Oh, thanks. And Taylor, I get the straight introduction. Yeah, we gave, gave Malcolm the fun part about dragging through the swamp. But Taylor is a native Jacksonian, and she's the daughter of Bo and Marty Bowen. Many people know the Bowen family here. And on her way to becoming a visual artist at the University of Mississippi, she learned to be a cook. (laughs) And from the kitchens of the Hoka, the Harvest Cafe, City Grocery, and Yachna, she brought her talent to Greenwood, where she combines her visual art on the wall with her culinary art. And she has created one of Mississippi's favorite restaurants, Fan and Johnny's. She is a much sought after chef. Uh, I can testify to that because I have traveled the country with her. She's cooked from events from New York to California, but her real passion is cooking for her community. And I was proud to be among that community in Greenwood for a very long time. So welcome our friend. Thank you. Glad to be here (laughs) y'all. I, you right. know, that's, that is um, very true. I thank goodness for you, Carol. You uh, were there with me on those trips or I might not have come back. 
I was I was merely standing in the shadows or, or uh, holding the knife roll for uh -huh. you. But when uh, this has been this is International Women's Month, I guess this is the last few days this week, and Malcolm and I got to pick chefs to you know women chefs to honor, and you were our. They, I mean, it was just so much fun for both of us. We've wanted to have you on the show for a long Aww. time. That's sweet of y'all. This is fun. So, so how are things going at Fan and Johnny's? They're going great. Um, I tell you, it's been quite a time through this, but I'm so thankful uh, to be here. Um, it's been, we, I feel like I got lucky. I mean, if I were, there were so many restaurants that closed, so many businesses that had such a hard time, and we um, just were embraced by the community and uh, have come out stronger than we've ever been, really, before. We, we um, are starting to come back around, uh, you know, we can see a little bit normal here and there, but we're, we're doing good. We have new art on the walls. We have new food every day. We have old favorites, which I think a lot of people really want now is comfort and, and familiarity that they miss. And food is a constant with that um, most often and, and can give lots of comforting feelings for people that when they, you know, need it. And it's um, been a year, but it's now, good. Did you close down for a while at the beginning of the pandemic? Um, we did not close a single day. We just went straight to takeout because fortunately we were already set up for that. We have a pickup window, um, that you, you know, call ahead. And so that was really convenient. And we, we got lucky with that. Um, okay. And there are other features in our restaurant architecturally. We have partitions or booths. And, and so that was kind of conducive to indoor dining for the separation of uh, the crowd. And I mean, we just, we, we've, we've gotten really lucky, I think. Has your business, uh, uh, you know, percentage wise, is it, you know, right where it was previous or are you 80 percent 70 percent we're 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 almost there we're almost there um we're we're about 80 percent i would say mm -hmm. um you know greenwood is a is a tough crowd it's a tough business and it's a tough crowd because everybody in the delta is an amazing entertainer and so here i am trying to entertain the entertainers and and it's tough but um, we, we, uh, we, we seem to do it okay. Well, um, they're a tough crowd, but they're also a very loyal crowd. I they think, sure you know, are. Through the years, your, your menu has reflected, I mean, it's really kind of paid homage in a way to some of those great Delta cooks very and entertainers. Much so. As much as I get influence from all over the country, all over the world, um, it always comes back here where it all started, unfortunately, because 
boy, I tell you, some days I want to run out the kitchen door and down the street and not come back. But <laughs> I always do and I never leave. And it's, it's, um, it'll suck you in, I tell you. But the food, you know, the food started here. You know, it's simple food. It's the same as it is in all over the world in, you know, simple food. And you just have to pay attention and take care and um, make sure that you, you prepare it with love and, and it, it seems to work out. You just take what you know. <laughs> right. Well, well you, I, I you grew up a... in Jackson, right? Yes, sir. Grew up in Jackson, but your grandparents who you've named the restaurant for are from Hammond, Louisiana. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and, is that a part of your culinary lineage, your grandparents, your grandmothers? I mean, where, where do you of remember course. being influenced first from a culinary cooking standpoint? Well, I tell you, um, definitely down in Louisiana, because it was, it was always an, an event and a feast and a fun, fun time, you know, where meals lasted and the preparation involved everyone and it wasn't as um, utilitarian as a, a you know a normal family meal trying to fit it into activities where which is what it was in my household. Um, and then we went down there and it was a party and right. and it was a party in your mouth you know because the flavors were there. But I tell you this, the the main cookbook that my grandfather used down there was the um, St. Stephen's Episcopal Church cookbook from Indianola. And so all of his influence came from this area, which, you know, circles back to where I am now. But he, you know, that Cajun food, which you know, you, you, I take it for granted because you go anywhere else in the country and it's hard to find legit food like that, you know, with all that, that French influence and all the other nationalities in one pot mm -hmm. and people come here, you know, travel through Greenwood to see whatever it is they want to see and they love to, see, you know, that if they, there's lots of people that don't, have never been to New Orleans or, or anywhere down there. So don't know that food. Hmm. Wow. Um, so, so you spend a lot of time introducing new flavors and new concepts to, to your clientele while, while all the while producing comfort food that they're familiar with. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to. I have to kill a lot of birds with one stone. Um, but well, I was, I, I, I saw some of the birds you've been killing. You know, I follow you on Facebook so I can just read your menus and dream. And I just, I get so tickled sometimes to see, okay, so we have fried alligator with comeback, which mm -hmm. seems to be a regular. All right, uh, hot item. Yes. And then you go from that to the duck, duck noodle bowl with duck confit, duck cracklings, angel hair, miso butter broth, and fried chili oil and hen egg. I mean, that's 
that's a long way to travel. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, I really try hard to rein it in sometimes because I want to make my life easier and everyone that I work with. It's just, it's, it's hard, but, um, you know, well, it's, I, hard, it's hard to be Taylor because I've seen <laughs> you, you in the kitchen and, you know, if there's any word to describe how you work in the restaurant, it's spontaneous. I mean, you can just get off in your head on something in the morning and then it ends up on the plate at, at noon. I mean, it could be something crazy, but you get it out of your head and onto a plate no matter what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I know. I, I, I you know, I lead a dual life as a, 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 a cook and an artist or painter. Um, and then that meets in the middle as artist. But I, I do that because that way I don't have to take either one of them too seriously. And I always have an out. If I don't want to do something, I can do something else. But <laughs> it's probably not the simplest or easiest way to, to be. But that, you know, that the, the process of making it is so um, comforting to me and serving people food that I know is good. And I know it's probably better than some out there. And I know you, I mean, I know that it's a lot more nutritious, which is also a concern of mine. You know, but my, my early influences with food were very um, natural, holistic. We, we lived across the street from one of the women that founded Rainbow um, co-op in Jackson when I was in elementary school and then I worked at um, the Harvest which was a vegetarian restaurant and of course Ron you know everything we made at the Hoka was fresh you know and and so all of it it's it's the my cornerstone of how how you should eat and how you should feed your body and soul. Um, Taylor in your culinary journey the harvest cafe seems to have played a really big role and I, I was not around the oxford scene at that time but tell us a little bit about that that was an early mississippi vegetarian restaurant correct oh gosh it was so before its time if it was there now it would be booming but it it was uh three three wonderful people wonderful, wonderful people, Martha Henderson, um, Joan Ward, and John Anderson opened this restaurant and it was completely vegetarian. We did no chemicals, no nothing. I mean, and the things that they, they taught me there, I had not, I mean, my household at my, my home growing up was wonderful, but my mom used Dawn you know, the date that we did, it was Dr. Bronner's at this restaurant and nothing else, no chemicals, no nothing. And um, I was introduced to a whole way that you could be clean inside of your body as well. 
and yeah. and the the role that nutrition plays. And then, of course, I moved to Greenwood, and here we come. My new best friend is that fryer. I tell you what. I know if they say in Greenwood, say they'll just fry dirt up in the Delta. They will deep fry anything. Yeah, but you know what? I sell tofu. I sell tofu almost every day of the week these days, and you know, regular old vegetables. Um, hey Taylor, so grow, I, growing up in Jackson, I know you're a good bit younger than 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 I am. But do you remember Ivos? No. Carol, Where do you remember that? Ivos in the quarter? Vaguely. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, Heinemann. It was his first restaurant oh, yes. in, in Jackson. And it was a real, I mean, it was way before uh, the co-op rainbow. rainbow. Uh -huh. uh, but anyway, I'm just curious if, if that was uh, something you remembered. And, you know, Charlie and Ann later opened up Walker's drive-in and made it the fine dining place that it Okay. Was. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's not, you said Charlie Heinemann. Heinemann. And he's, he's not related to Doug Heinemann that did is he the one that did Gridley's? No, different guy. No relation. No relation. Okay. Hey Taylor, I saw. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned tofu because I saw it on your menu maybe a week or so ago, and it was stir fried tofu and portobello mushrooms in tamari chardonnay butter with scallions <laughs> and served with. Two brooks sable rice and buttered carrots. I mean, that would make a vegetarian out of it. I mean, that's just good food. You don't have yeah. to be a vegetarian to it, eat that. And I, I noticed the two brooks rice. I mean, you use a lot of local products. So tell us a little bit about two brooks. Well, I t Mike Wagner up in um, and his children up in Sumner grow this amazing, amazing rice. And it, I don't use anything but that. You know, I'm spoiled. There's a couple of things I, I just can't, um, I can't buy from the regular store, and that's one of them. And fortunately, he he hand delivers it to me, and sometimes I don't even know it's there. And I turn around, and there's three boxes by my doorstep. But it's the nutritional value is way far and above normal rice, and and the taste and texture and flavor and Everything about it is wonderful. Well, what is sable rice? That's black rice. It's um, a black rice. And I, I, I try to warn people because some, some people aren't going to be expecting that. So I have to be very careful, you know, and I try. And my poor wait staff, goodness gracious, try, they, them trying to explain all these things that they've never even seen or heard of before because it wasn't there yesterday. Um, I try to help them out by explaining everything on the menu. And I also try to do my grandmother justice because she was such an amazing English teacher and I was such a terrible student. This is the only way I can try to redeem myself in her eyes. <laughs> yes, uh, Taylor's grandmother was the famous Mrs. Bowen at yeah. high school. <laughs> yeah, she's um, still going strong in Oxford up there. Hopefully she's listening right now. So Taylor, I want to ask you uh, kind of to go back to your uh, vi your visual arts training. I know you you studied 
painting and visual arts uh, at the University of Mississippi. And, and I guess took a job on the side working at uh -huh. the Polka and the other restaurants just while you were going to school. How do you uh, connect or how do you think about the connectivity between your visual arts training and ultimately your becoming a chef? Um, well, you know, fortunate, fortunately, um, back again at the harvest, though, though, those people gave me a lot of creative freedom in the kitchen and trusted we, me with uh, producing the menus that changed every week for dinner. And that kind of, and not only that, at that time, I was still in school and I was, they had art shows there in that restaurant space and I was curating those art shows. And so it all went together. It always all went together. And um, I got messy both ways in different ways and still do, but it, it always seemed to be part of it. You know, I blame it on my dad because if he had given me more money in college to buy beer, I wouldn't have had to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, uh, and for those Ole Miss fans, uh, Taylor's dad is the famous Bo Bowen of Ole Miss football fame. And he, he was the Archie generation. Is that right, Taylor? That's right. Yeah, he, he um, now is does spends a lot of time in Ukraine doing mission work and and people ask him how he got started with that and they said and he blames it on me because he said that my mom said Bo you have to do something with her take her somewhere and fix her and so he took me on a mission trip to Honduras and and that got it all started so I'm blaming it on him yeah. to get me in the restaurant business yeah he fixed you real good put you in front of all those flavors right right well what's the culinary scene like there was a time there when Carol you and Taylor uh, were in Greenwood and Viking was was really the hot scene for the culinary movement and the, the cooking school I know is still there going strong but there's, I'm sure there's been an evolution of uh, sort of the scene uh, at Greenwood uh, with the, you know, with all the uh, activities around uh, the hotel uh, and the downtown revitalization and the vi success of Viking. I'm just curious sort of where all that is today. Well, um, it definitely has been um, an evolution and it's pretty, I mean, there, there are several new restaurants downtown, uh, three, four, no, three that I can think of. Um, and the cooking school is expanding. I, I heard, I don't know this, and I may not even supposed to be saying this, but oops, oh, well. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, adding a winery or wine I don't know I shouldn't even say anything but um it's it's going good you know they're filming a tv show here right oh. now about to wrap that up and so we've had that extra income as well but I tell you people like 
coming here, it's kind of, I, I try to, you know, this is where I am. This is how far I can go. I try to compare Greenwood to Big Sur because people go there to do nothing. And that's, that's kind of what it is here, but it's very different beauty. Um, same, but very different. Yeah, and you get and a lot of, uh, lot of heritage and cultural tourists looking for blues, looking for, uh, you know, history, civil rights stuff. I mean, you get a lot of, uh, I'm a just lot of curious, different kinds of people. Have, have those people started moving about again? Can you start to see people from out of town, out of country again? Um, somewhat, not somewhat. Yes, I'd say, because I think there was a whole set of people that had mobility during the pandemic. And, you know, you'd see um, families coming through trying to maybe supplement their educate online education, you know, doing talking right. about heavy stuff and um, some somewhat. Yes, I think so. Uh, not not as much as it was before, though, yet. Yet. But, you know, Greenwood has been, uh, you know, a food mecca for the past 20 years. Really, it, it started way before then with Lusco's and some of the Delta restaurants. But uh, Malcolm and I need to, you know, make our own announcement about Greenwood as a culinary mecca. There is a movement afoot that started this weekend to have a gathering of people from our cooking and coping Facebook site in Greenwood at, you know, the Viking Cooking School and, of course, Fan and Johnny's. We're trying, you know, trying to find a great location that people love and can bring them together. And oh, that's we, fun. Yeah, we hope to do that in the next few months, and we're going to ask Java to come be the DJ and really celebrate the cooking community that we've built that's now almost 4,000 people. And, you know, we'll probably have uh, I, you know, who, whoever wants to come, but it's going to be our central location. So we hope you'll, you know, get on board and help yeah. us with that. We've got that great alley outside that, but by the by the river, that would be a perfect spot. Yeah, street party. <laughs> <laughs> we, can you do a street party, Java? Now, don't threaten me with a good time. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always down. Can you down. pull up some some food songs? Oh, of course. Come on, that Carol. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll better, better start working on it. Yeah, he can do a theme now. He can spin a theme. What do you call that, Java, as a DJ, when someone says, the theme, I really would like for you to play music along this theme. What, what do y'all, what's uh, just a Just like a theme party, but it's, you know, it's on the on the <laughs> DJ side to to kind of gather that and, and make it where to flow. So you just want to just be kind of almost like a chef. You take the different ingredients and put it together very well instead of just, you know, a lot of things on the table. Like, here you go. You got to put it together with a nice mix. Well, we want to flow. Yeah, we want yeah. to flow now. Yeah, flow is ready for a party. <laughs> they certainly are. Okay, Taylor, I'm going to ask you the question I've been asking you for many years, and that is, when is the cookbook coming? Oh, gosh. Well, I tell you, that's not really my expertise, is being serious with something like that. 
I have to challenge you on that because I you know. have been meticulous about keeping records of your of your recipes every day I, I mean I haven't seen your journals your food journals in a long time but I mean that takes a lot of discipline well or crazy um <laughs> but <laughs> I know I I want to see I I want to do it the hard way too because I want to illustrate the book uh -huh. and and I I no people like to see food photos in cookbooks, but um, this isn't gonna necessarily be a real cookbook. I, um, the, there's my favorite book, cookbook, The Art of Cuisine that Toulouse-Lautrec wrote in the late 1800s. Um, his recipes are just kind of like, yeah, here, just throw some stuff in there. And that's kind of what it would be like just like all those old turn of the century delta cookbooks that were just you know add water to the ham bone then throw in a couple of bay leaves and peppercorns you know and no measurements no this I, I, that's where my my failure as a chef comes through because um, that's where the art side starts kicking in. And you could call the book The Art of the Failed Chef, who is now a celebrity. <laughs> well, you have, have other artists uh, in, in your family, too. And I know you would let them contribute as well. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And um, my grandmother is a very, um, a, you know, she's a wonderful editor these days. So, you know, if I get lucky and, and, and get busy and start adding another hour to my day, I, I think I can get it done. <laughs> well, we look forward to it. And uh, I think a lot of other people uh, do as well. I want to ask you, we only have a couple of minutes left and we really appreciate you joining us today. oh so fun and and i want to remind uh, our listeners that uh, you know we are celebrating uh taylor's success uh as the last spotlight in women's history month and we we honor you not only as a great chef and and as a fascinating creative person but also uh, as a woman who has reached great pinnacles and has done well uh and, and we appreciate that the last thing i wanted to ask you about was you mentioned early on about cooking and preparing food with love. How much do you believe that the emotion that the chef or the cooks are, uh, are, are experiencing when they're preparing the food influences the way that the food tastes? You know, thinking about like water for chocolate or, you know, stuff like that. Um, 100%, I think that I, I completely can tell the difference between something that I made in a rush or in a bad mood or in a hurry and then something that I'm, I'm into. And, you know, that's the thing about food these days in, mo in a lot of kitchens and a lot of highway towns and, and truck stops, there is no love. There's not even a person, it's just a machine heating up prepared ingredients that were made in a factory somebody somewhere by another machine and 
Um, and, and that is why our healthcare is in the situation that it's in. And um, of course, I am, I am a hypocrite because I too am not, I, I enjoy a bag of Doritos, but I don't eat it. I mean, I don't eat it. I try not to, and I, I'm, but if I do, it's, you know, I'm not going to jump in a lake over it, but I can direct, you know, it's just nutrition is important. And, and I think the, um, the love and the flavor affects the flavor directly. And, you know, I use a lot of butter and a lot of heavy cream. And so again, I'm a hypocrite. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not eating vegan every day by any means, but I know that that emotion that goes into it um, affects your nutritional value as well. Yeah, you're not a hypocrite. You are a complicated, <laughs> very accomplished chef. <laughs> and we and we love you and we thank you for joining well, us. Well, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for y'all, both of y'all. Well, we're, we're proud of you. And, and you uh, make us look good. And we can't wait to to gather around the table with you uh, in the near future. So well, continue really great success. Thank you. All right. Thank Have you a good today. lunch. Thank you. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. It is funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show was produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, Chef Taylor Bowen Ricketts, I'm Malcolm White. Now stay tuned for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And please join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining, heard right here and only on MPB Think Radio.